This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Are you looking to save 50, 60, even 70% on your phone bill? Well, here's a tip. Broadvoice.com. Hi, it's Brad Staggs of Blaze TV here. Broadvoice offers high-quality phone service for only $8.95 a month. You may ask, how can I save so much money? What's the catch? Well, the secret is the technology. Broadvoice uses VoIP technology that takes analog audio signals from your phone, turns them into digital data, and then transfers them over the Internet. This means crystal clear sound and cheaper phone bills. Broadvoice has been ranked in the Deloitte Technology Fast 500 and Inc. 500 as one of the fastest growing private companies in America. Get Broadvoice right now for only $8.95 a month. Keep your existing phone number for free and Broadvoice will send you their easy plug-in adapter free. All this and you get unlimited local calling for just $8.95 a month. Plus, for a limited time, Broadvoice will even give you your first month free. Do what we did here at Blaze Radio. Make the switch today at Broadvoice.com or call 888-332-8036. 888-332-8036. The experiment was a success. Begin Life Force Reboot Program now. Stand clear. Life signs stable. It's alive. Set it loose. This is the Jeff Fisher Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Okay. How are you? Good to see you. You know, in January, we learned filing federal tax returns is about to get more complicated for millions of families, and we are getting closer and closer to tax day. Because President uh, Barack Obama's health law, they shouldn't expect much help from the Internal Revenue Service. Wait, what? Aren't they there to help? Got a question for the IRS? Good luck reaching someone by phone. The tax agency says only half of the 100 million people expected to call this year will be able to reach a person. Oh, great. Callers who do get through you may have to hold for maybe 30 minutes or more to talk to someone who will, you know, attempt to answer your question. And that question may or may not be answered correctly. Isn't that great? Yes. So I'm reading the a page I put on my Facebook page that uh, from the Federalist Papers, and it talks about how taxes work. And it's an explanation of how taxes work for the rich versus the average person. It's a very simple way to understand the tax laws. Let's put the tax cuts in terms everyone can understand. Suppose that every day 10 men go out for dinner. The bill for all 10 comes to $100. If they paid their bill the way we pay our taxes, it would go something like this. The first four men, the poorest, would pay nothing. The fifth would pay a dollar. The sixth would pay three dollars. The seventh, seven dollars. The eighth, twelve dollars. The ninth, eighteen. The tenth man, the richest, would pay fifty-nine dollars. That's what they decided to do. The ten men ate dinner in the restaurant every day and seemed quite happy with the arrangement until one day the owner threw them a curve in tax language, a tax cut. Since you're all such good customers, I'm going to reduce the cost of your daily meal by $20. So now dinner for the 10 only costs $80. 
group still wanted to pay their bill the way they pay our taxes, so the first four men were unaffected. They would still eat for free. But what about the other six, the paying customers? How could they divvy up the $20 windfall so that everyone would get this fair share? The sixth men realized that $20 divided by six is $3.33. But if they subtracted that from everybody's share, then the fifth man and the sixth man would end up being paid to eat their meal. So the restaurant owner suggested that it would be fair to reduce each man's bill by roughly the same amount. And he proceeded to work out the amounts each should pay. So the fifth man paid nothing. The sixth pitched in $2. The seventh paid $5. The eighth paid $9. The ninth paid $12, leaving the tenth man with a bill of $52 instead of his earlier $59. Each of the six was better off than before, and the first four continued to eat for free. Once outside the restaurant, the men began to compare their savings. I only got a dollar out of the 20, declared the sixth man who pointed to the tenth, but he got $7. Yeah, that's right, exclaimed the fifth man. I only saved a dollar, too. It's unfair that he got seven times more than me. That's true, shouted the seventh man. Why should he get $7 back when I got only two? The wealthy get all the breaks. Wait a minute, yelled the first four men in unison. We didn't get anything at all. The system exploits the poor. The nine men surrounded the tenth man and beat him up. The next night he didn't show up for dinner, so the nine sat down and ate without him. But when it came time to pay the bill, they discovered a little late what was very important. They were $52 short of paying the bill. And that, boys and girls, journalists and college instructors, is how the tax system works. The people who pay the highest taxes get the most benefit from the tax reduction. Tax them too much, attack them for being wealthy, and they just may not show up at the table anymore. Where would that leave the rest? Unfortunately, most taxing authorities anywhere cannot seem to grasp this rather straightforward logic. Texas, American style. Welcome to the Jeff Fisher Show. I apologize. I'm telling you, for the last oh, two or three days, my voice is up and down and back and forth and going left and right, and I cannot, for the life of me, figure out why. But it goes in and out. I start talking. It sounds good. And then it goes away. And then the next thing you know, oh, my gosh, we're back to being not sounding good again. I cut a bit for well, inside baseball. For I, I thought my voice was okay. It was hanging in there okay. And then I went to cut a bit for the uh, wonderful world of Stu, which, by the way, uh, <laughs> should turn out pretty funny um i could tell you about it but i won't just watch the wonderful world of stew okay uh but it's pretty funny however it's outside and i think that this weather of being cold and hot and cold and hot and stuff blowing in the air and stuff not blowing in the air uh is just killing me so i i want to apologize in advance uh if my voice starts to go up here or down here or goes away but I'm here for you. Welcome to it. Blaze Radio Network, 888-900-3393 is the phone number if you'd like to participate. 1-888-900-3393. So much to, uh, to get to today. And I hope you all survived uh, Friday the 13th. If you didn't, well, you're not listening, are you? So those of you listening, you survived. Thank you. 
good luck to you. But next time, if you know someone that didn't survive, perhaps you could tell one of their relatives or their friend or their spouse or their children that next time, the next Friday the 13th, they should, in fact, follow some Friday the 13th rules that was uh, tweeted to me uh, at JeffyMRA at my Twitter account. It says Friday the 13th, keep calm. Don't go swimming. Don't have sex. Don't smoke. Don't drink. Don't go out. Don't split up. Don't run from the killer. If you trip, get up and run. And all of the above? Turn on the stupid light before entering any room. Here we go! This is the Jeff Fisher Show on the Blaze Radio Network. As a guy who learned the hard way how important proper nutrition is on your health and the great harm excess weight can have on your health, I urge you to get serious about your health with SimpleToLose.com. Diets don't work, and you're really only going to be successful losing weight when you learn how to eat differently. And that is why the free health coaches at Simple to Lose are so helpful. They teach you how to eat six meals a day and why it works. Many people on my team are working with Simple to Lose and their health coaches. As a team, we've lost over 850 pounds. Mary has lost over 85 pounds and wants to live a long life to keep her family strong. Brad's lost 40 pounds, finally feels like he did when he was in his 30s. Chris, whose father died young due to obesity, has lost 100 pounds and is off most of his medications. Change your life, get healthy, and thrive today. Go to simpletolose.com today, not tomorrow. Go today, simpletolose.com. Results do vary. Typical weight loss is 2 to 5 pounds per week for the first two weeks, then 1 to 2 pounds per week thereafter. Jeff Fisher. Welcome to it. 888-900-3393 is the phone number. Plenty of programming on the Blaze Radio Network each and every day, including Saturday and Sunday on the weekends, and including just go to theblaze.com slash radio, and you can find all kinds of programming that aren't on the radio. But you can download them and listen to them. Anytime your little heart desires. In fact, you can listen to any, pretty much, pretty much all the broadcasts on the Blaze Radio Network. Just download them, and you can listen to them at your little heart's content whenever you want. Yeah, that's right. You can. So I'm going to post a story. It's just I'm I'm actually been reading. <laughs> I'm in the middle of reading it, and now I'm going to share it with you. And I haven't even finished the article, but it is a fascinating article. On Bill Morris, uh, he is, you know, works for Google, and he all he does is, uh, I mean, that's all all he does uh, is Google Ventures. Uh, he gets he gets three, four, yeah, no, three or four hundred million a year just to uh, just to invest, play with. How cool is that? Huh, pretty cool. But he believes that it's going to be possible to live to be five hundred. And I mean, his the first right out of the box. If you ask me today, is it possible to live to be five hundred? The answer is yes. 
Um, he is a fascinating guy. Uh, apparently, he just turned 40, which I guess, you know, oh, well, he's got another 460 years to go. Um, but he talks about uh, the possibility of what it's going to take to live, uh, you know, forever, 500 years, 500 years really isn't forever, is it? Uh, but they talk about uh, his office, and uh, there it's <laughs> in this article in Bloomberg Business, and I'll post it on my Twitter and Facebook pages here momentarily, but it talks about uh, there's nothing on his desk, a uh, few chairs on the table, no papers, no notepads, post-its, not even a computer. Now, obviously, he's getting ready for this interview, so he's got everything cleared away, but Here's so uh, they talk about where you really figure out who Bill Maris is, uh, and it talks about his bookshelf. And there's a f- text called Molecular Biotechnology Principles and Applications of Recombinant DNA. Uh, there's a copy of Biotechnology Applying the Genetic Revolution, a collection of illustrations by Fritz Kahn, a German physician who is among the first to depict the human body as a machine, and also. Uh, the singularity is near when humans transcend biology. That was back in 2005 uh, by futurist Ray Kurzweil, who also is gets some cash from Google every now and then. Now Kurzweil, you know, he said every, by two by 2045, uh, humankind is going to have its Terminator moment, where machines will outpace uh, humans, and. Uh, <laughs> fascinating this entire article is <laughs> now i'm reading this article about living to be 500 and you know we all want to live longer right i mean i guess we do if we have if we have a life that you know means something to us we do i guess we don't want to be on a respirator for you know 500 years but we would like to live and you know share life and share experiences with other humans for years and years and years to come right but your body breaks down and they're saying that you know you now obviously we you know it go your body's a machine right what goes in you know is what happens to your machine you're tearing it up you put you know dirty gas in your car what happens it sputters and sputs and that's what happens to humans we put dirty gas in our in our bodies but if there was a way to a I think people think that well it doesn't not going to matter because when I start sputtering woo, you'll have some kind of machine and it'll take the sputtering away well, good luck with that. I don't think that's going to happen, although that would be kind of nice, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it would be. But, uh, you know, it would be kind of cool if we could do it. If you think, you know, you think to yourself, well, yeah, I'd like to do that, but would you like to do that as half machine, a quarter machine, an eighth of a machine, three quarters of a machine, you know, Bill? You've known Bill for 300 years. He's a, he's He started out with just a knee replacement. And then, uh, poof, boy, the next thing you know, he's got a leg replacement. Now he's got, uh, you know, three-quarters of his body as machine. But he's with us. He's 385 years old. Been around for 385 years. Kind of cool. Bill's a good guy. Seen a lot. Really? You willing to do that? I don't know. I think I might be. I mean, I've already got the knee replacement. So what the heck? Put some more in. Let's go. No problem. Make it happen. I'm willing to go. But it's fascinating that they are so close to doing it. And this entire article is is 
fascinating about how much money uh, Google gives and what his investments in and what his thinking is. And just looking at the books that he's reading, uh, you know what is you know where they're where we're headed. And who hasn't read uh, biotechnology principles and applications of recombined DNA? I really, seriously. I mean, if you haven't read that, <laughs> what kind of idiot are you? <laughs> I mean, I've I usually that's just nighttime reading the biotechnology principles and applications of recombined DNA. I mean, that's just just reading to get it inside your head, right? <laughs> I wish I could read those books. I really do. And then I read, I read this article, and it's fascinating about you know living to be 500 or living forever or whatever you want to say, and the, the Terminator point. And then you go to the article of how Americans think the world will end. Yes. So uh, we've got these people over here. Hey, we're going to live. We're going to live forever. We're going to live for 500 years, and we're working on ways to do that. And uh, we talked you – know, uh, Glenn talked about a company, uh, Qualcomm, and uh, who else? What else? So I uh, can't remember the other company that was investing in it. Was giving uh, $20 million to the first company that came up with the, uh, you know, the Star Trek. Ooh. Put the, you know, whatever, whatever the heck it's called over your body to tell you what's wrong with it. Now, that's kind of cool, right? So you get this and your kid's sick and you put it over his boy. And it tells you what's wrong with the temperature, everything, what's going on in your body. So that's coming, right? And so soon, oil change in the left elbow. And then we have Americans thinking that it's the end of times, right? The world is going to end. It's horrible. How is it going to end? And the question is, how is American, how Americans think apocalypse will go down? The most likely cause for apocalypse, everybody thinks we're going to get blown to bits. Nuclear war. 28%. But then... They don't think there's going to be an apocalypse. Climate change, Judgment Day. The Judgment Day isn't. Wouldn't that be the you know the the nuclear war? We're all blowing to the apocalypse. That would kind of be Judgment Day tied in. So, worldwide revolution, nine percent. Something else. What is something else? Zombies, alien invasion. Those two are actually something else, aren't they? What else could? Well, I guess it could be uh you know a. Uh, giant meteor yeah i mean we all saw the documentary uh armageddon and uh they had to go up and uh blow the uh the meteor before it hit earth and thankfully uh in this documentary the man did succeed and then there was the the documentary uh that uh one uh we had one meteor hit the Earth, but the uh, astronauts, uh, fortunately, were smart enough to realize that they could fly into the second one uh, so it wouldn't end the Earth. Uh, Earth would still move on. And uh, those documentaries are fascinating. So we're lucky there, and maybe that will happen in real life, right? Very well could. Now, many people uh, think that, the, you know, that well, first of all, I the political parties— Democrats, independents, Republicans, they all have different views on how the world is going to end, right? How the apocalypse is going to happen. Now, of course, with it being hammered and towing the party line, uh, the Democrats think it's going to be climate change. Uh, the independents, 
and the Republicans all believe nuclear war. Uh huh. Which is, you know, very, very possible, especially since we are, you know, putzing around with a lot of countries that believe that the end is only the beginning. So why not get what we can to help the end along? And so we get to the beginning, not speaking of any countries. Oh, I don't know, Iran. Uh, different races uh, think the apocalypse will happen differently as well. Uh, although, this is kind of strange. Uh, White people, black people, Hispanic people all have nuclear war. Hispanic people have nuclear war second. Uh, Black and white people, top. Uh, Hispanic people, climate change, stop it. We believe that the government is letting us come into your country. We believe what they say. It's climate change. It's horrific. Is it? Is it? I don't think so. Now... Uh, let's see. Uh, uh, Hispanics believe that. Uh, oh, don't believe there'll be apocalypse. Don't believe there'll be. Oh, um, everybody thinks the don't believe there'll be apocalypse is right up second or third. Uh, the only reason that uh, Hispanics have don't think there'll be an apocalypse third is that they have climate change one, and white and black people do not have climate change uh, at the top. It's in the middle because it's there because everybody it gets rammed into our face climate change climate change but it really isn't anything it's called weather if you think weather is going to end the world then by gosh that's at the top of the list and you're probably right so but i'm a little disappointed that um you know an alien invasion people don't believe that that could actually happen you know they're out there The Jeff Fisher Show, the Blaze Radio Network. The Jeff Fisher Show. Welcome to it. 888-900-3393 is the phone number. 1-888-900-3393 is the phone number if you'd like to participate. Uh, Plenty of programming uh, throughout the day today on the Blaze Radio Network immediately following this broadcast. Michael Pelka, Puro Pelka. And then uh, we do a little bit of Glenn Beck Rewind. Hey, let's catch up what happened this week on the program, Glenn Beck Weekend. And then Chris Salcedo, Mike Slater, and Joe Paggs all live uh, on the Blaze Radio Network. Sunday programming, David Barton. We've got a story uh, from his uh, website, Wall Builders, uh, coming up momentarily. Bill Handel. Uh, plenty of programming on Sunday. And then, of course, uh, weekdays. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Doc and Skip in the mornings. Glenn. Uh, Buck. Jay. Pat and Stu. I mean, you know you don't need to go anywhere. You know that, right? Of course you do. Now, do you hold the door open when you're at the door first and a female is coming? Maybe even a male. Uh, but for sure a female because that's what you've been bred to do, right? Or at least what used to be bred to do. Well, a new study claims that there are two very different types of sexism. Of course there is. 
that can be detected among men with each form being distinguished by certain verbal and nonverbal expressions. And, oh my gosh, I can see where this is going. These two types of biases, uh, hostile sexism and benevolent sexism. Oh my gosh. Uh, posting that sexism isn't always accompanied by nasty or negative treatment. Ha! <laughs> Men who put women on a pedestal may be a wolves in sheep clothing, hindering gender equality. Yeah. How dare you put women on the pedestal? How dare you? The study titled Nonverbal and Verbal Expressions of Men's Sexism and Mixed Gender Interactions and published in the Journal of Sex Roles involved 27 pairs of male and female university-age students. The levels of sexism for the men were determined after giving them a test called the Ambivalent sexism index. Oh my gosh, do I want to take that test? Is it linked on here? No. <laughs> oh, the test called the ambivalent sexism index, which asked them to respond to a series of questions that helped figure out whether they embraced more of a hostile or benevolent form of sexism. Ugh. Ugh. Study is especially interesting in that it presents the notion that positive attention can also, at least in the eyes of some, be a form of sexism. Oh, really? Which is a point that uh, Judith Hall of Northeastern University wanted to be sure we made that point, Judith. Benevolent sexism is a wolf in sheep's clothing that perpetuates support of gender inequality among women at an interpersonal level. Ugh. These supposed gestures of good faith may entice women to accept the status quo in society because sexism literally looks welcoming, appealing, and harmless. Maybe, just maybe, Judith Hall of Northeastern University, uh, that's because it uh, it's okay. It's okay to put women on a pedestal, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Maybe why women kind of like it and they, it appeals to them and they believe that it's harmless. It's possible, right? It is possible. But having told you that story, then I read, study finds that there are too many studies. <laughs> I wonder why there's too many studies. Because they give out study money like it's going, like it's out of style. I, I have been a big believer and a fan of study money forever. Now, studies, we've, we may have talked about this before. I'm sure we have because it's, it's, a, it's a little near and dear to my heart. But study, you have to produce something. If you get study money for whatever, you get study money for can, do toenails grow three inches long if, they, if, you drink, if you actually drink, put Jell-O every day. Remember, remember the days of Jell-O helps fingernails grow. I don't know if you remember that, but I do. And... Uh, and I'm gonna get I'm gonna get emails. Jeff, it really does. If you just drink Jello juice, it'll make your fingernails and toenails stronger and longer. Okay, I got it. However, you get study money for that. Now you have to produce something at the end of that. You have to produce. Hey, this is what happened. We followed so many people as we talked in this study. It talked about how many people she followed and how many questioned and who was involved. You've got to document all of that, and that's part of getting that study money. Grant money. Is what you want if you can get. Grant money is huge because you don't have to produce crap for grant money. 
you get grant money. It's like you get a grant to study if toenails grow longer and stronger by drinking Jello. And we, well, we got grant money because we're not sure if it's strawberry banana Jello juice or if it's or if it's the grape juice Jello or if it's the uh, pinnacleberry juice jelly. And, you know, stop it! But but first of all, you don't have to produce anything. You get grant money. You did. What happened? Well, yeah, we, we haven't come to a conclusion yet. What did you do with the $850,000? Well, we were spending on the study. Uh, and we've, you know, we've got people drinking Jell-O. And uh, we spent a lot of money on Jell-O. <laughs> yeah, we spent a lot of money on regular, on Jell-O, the brand name. And we spent a lot of money on the generics and uh, the store brands. And we wanted to see if there was a difference. And uh, one, you know, we had 400 girls. And they were drinking uh, Jell-O three times a day. And their nails grew uh 1.2 inches uh, in uh, in uh, 12 months, and we're not sure if those, because the girls that drink strawberry banana jello uh, weren't quite as good as the girls who drink just the strawberry jello. I mean, that, uh, but you don't have to really produce anything because it's grant money. Eh, what happened? Nah, not figured it out yet. We could sure use some more money though to figure it out because we spent a lot of money on jello. Oh, that's that's great. So anyway. Uh, Growing number of scientific studies, uh, yeah, uh, making it harder for researchers to keep track of all their content. Yeah, no kidding. Our research suggests that the decay is accelerating in recent times, signaling that papers are forgotten more quickly. Uh, yeah, that's why they're not forgotten. What happens is is that one thing they claim one thing, and then you get another study that claims the exact opposite. So then you have dueling studies, and then, oh my gosh, we need another study because we have dueling studies on this. It's a never-ending cycle. Over the past years, thanks to the Internet, a huge amount of data has allowed a thorough investigation of the dynamics of collective attention to online content, ranging from news stories to videos to memes. Here, attention is measured by the number of users, views, visits, posts, downloads, tweets. It's also noted that the attention decays over time, not only because novelty fades, but because the human capacity to pay attention to new content is limited. No. Well, I mean, it sure appears that way, but that's their study. Human capacity to pay attention to new content is limited. The conclusion, it's harder to isolate the most relevant information. Thank you. Did you know, did you know that it is Women's History Month? Did you know that? I got me th- when I talk about our, you know, the sexism uh, either way, uh, you know, whether you're, whether you're, Nice or mean, uh, you know. I mean, benevolent sexism is a wolf in sheep's clothing. We all learned that from Judith Hall of Northeastern University. But it is Women's Month, Women's History Month, and uh, I had this sent to me, and it's from Wall Builders, David Barton's site, and it talks about three great women. Now, tell me, would you hold the door open for one, two, or all three of these women? Would you hold the door open for them? Would you say, hey, that's very nice of you. Go in. Uh, I'm right behind you. And then we'll sit down and we'll talk. And we'll have a conversation. Oh, I think that might be, I might be a wolf in sheep clothing because she might like me holding the door open for her. Abigail Adams, through her poor health, kept her from receiving a formal education. Abigail rose above this, teaching herself to master several areas of study, including even learning a foreign language. She was the close confidant of her husband, John Adams, 
he trusted her counsel and relied on her for sound military intelligence information as well as political guidance. She was an excellent businesswoman, faithful wife, devoted mother, first woman to live in the White House. She was the wife of one U.S. president and the mother of another. She was also a strong and outspoken Christian, leaving behind a rich legacy in her extensive personal writings. Would you say, after you? Hold the door open for her. Florence Nightingale, born into a wealthy English family, Florence Nightingale went against society's expectations to fulfill God's divine call of service on her life. Famous for her nursing work on the battlefield, she left a legacy transforming the health standards not only in England, but elsewhere. In fact, the President of the United States consulted her for advice during the Civil War. Author of 17 books and numerous articles, she worked relentlessly to better the hospital industry and health care and to train nurses to care for the sick. Would you say, Florence, after you? No, after you. We'll sit down inside. Go ahead. Let me get the door for you. And Susanna Wesley. The hand that rocks the cradle is the hand that rules the world. From her post as the mother of a busy household in the Epworth Rectory. Susanna Wesley trained up a generation that would change the world. She provided the well-regulated primary education for her ten children that lived past infancy. Two of these children, John and Charles, would become influential even across the Atlantic, helping found the Methodist movement in America. She is known as the mother of Methodism. Would you hold the door open for any one of these women? And the answer is yes. But that would mean that you are a wolf in sheep's clothing because that's benevolent sexism, according to Judith Hall of Northeastern University. This is The Jeff Fisher Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Fisher Show returns on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome to it. 888-900-3393 is the phone number. I'm telling you, my voice, I cannot believe. Every time I turn around, I start thinking, well, no, it sounds fine. sounds fine in my head. And then I go to actually speak out loud. doesn't seem to work. So we'll get through it okay. But. Every time I go to try to do something that I would normally do, uh, the voice isn't letting me do it. So I apologize. You may say, geez, Jeff, that sounds a lot better than what you normally sound like. So good news. Uh, Jesse Ventura making friends, making friends all over. Uh, just wonderful, wonderful man, Jesse Ventura, uh, suing uh, Chris Kyle. And uh, then after he was uh, murdered, uh, continued to sue uh, the wife and family for uh, his uh, His, well, I just want to say that he was put down and he can barely, barely go through life because everybody knew it was him and he's saying that it wasn't him and Chris just disparaged him. And I mean, it said uh, in the book uh, that a confrontation uh, Kyle had with an unnamed celebrity in California. I mean, that's what you get Jesse Ventura right there out of that. Uh, in which the celebrity disparaged the Navy SEALs, telling him he deserved to lose a few, and that Kyle ended up punching the man out. 
Now, on a radio program, uh, Chris said that it was Jesse Ventura. So not even in the book does it say that it was him, but on a radio show he said it was him. And now that's it. I don't even, anyway, uh, Jesse's making friends in uh, all the right places. Uh, the Motion Picture Association of America, uh, media companies, uh, 32 media companies and organizations are supporting the estate of Chris Kyle as she appeals the libel verdict in favor of Jesse Ventura. And you can go through and read it. I'll, I'll post the story. It talks about uh, what have we talked about it before uh, on this show uh, about what the attorney feels uh, happened in Minnesota to, uh, you know, the jury was wrongly advised on how to come out with that case. So, uh, but Jesse, way to go. That's the way to make friends in all the right places around the world. Um, that may tell you, Jess, that I don't know. No one likes you. <laughs> uh, okay. I know it's not about the money, as you said, but uh, apparently it is. Now, is your glass half empty? Or half full. Let me tell you a little bit about Simple to Lose. My glass this morning is, well, it's full. It's on the way to being full. I put on my Simple to Lose belt, my diet belt. And uh, at one time it was, you know, I took it off to sit down. It's over on the other side of the room. But it's got the, so many holes in it. And you remember the belt that I had pictures that were, you know, of all the weight I lost. Because in the first six months, I lost 120 pounds. That's simple to lose. Well, I put the belt out today. And obviously, you know, I mean, I, I, I went off the deep end for a while. And, uh, you know, I started putting on a little bit of weight. And the belt is not as long. You know, I don't use it. Go all the way to the end of that hole mark that I kept putting those holes in that belt. But it's still amazing how much of that belt sticks out. And you realize, oh, my gosh, I was that fat. Simple to lose works. And it also, I wear that belt and it makes me go, okay, I'm getting back. Back on the horse. And I have been. And it feels great to get back on the horse. And I will be back down. I'll be putting some more holes in that belt. Very, very soon. SimpleToLose.com. Simple to Lose does three things. Structured nutrition eating plan. You know that diets don't work. It's a lifestyle plan. Habits of health. It's a lifestyle plan. Get as healthy as you can. And three, a free health coach. SimpleToLose.com. Simple, the number two, Lose.com. Sign up for that free health coach and start being the new you you know you want to be. SimpleToLose.com. This is the Jeff Fisher Show, only on the Blaze Radio Network. The experiment was a success. Begin Life Force Reboot Program. Now. Stand clear. Life signs stable. It's alive. Set it loose. This is the Jeff Fisher Show on the Blaze Radio Network.
888-900-3393 is the phone number. 888-900-3393 is the phone number. Welcome to it. This is the Jeff Fisher Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Immediately following this broadcast, Michael Pelka, the Puro Pelka, coming up. And then at noon, Chris Salcedo, then Mike Slater, then Joe Pags, all live on the Blaze Radio Network this very day. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Why do you need to go anywhere else? <laughs> I've said that before. That you know, you don't need to. <laughs> don't, don't, don't be dumb. <laughs> okay. Then when you think to yourself, wow, am I dumb? No, go to theblaze.com slash radio and you can download other stuff, other content that we have for you too. Yeah. On top of which, you can download the shows we have too so you can listen to them again because the information is so compelling the first time you're going to want to hear it again. Right? Right? So a majority of millennials can't name a senator from their home state. More than three-fourths of millennials cannot name one of their home state's senators. Hmm. 77% of Americans between 18 and 34 could not name one senator in her his or her home state. 23% answered the question correctly there. Men were more likely than women to name the senator. 25% of men and 20% of women answering the open-ended question correctly. Women were more likely to answer that they did not know rather than name the wrong senator. An answer of I don't know was counted as an incorrect response. Well, I mean, that's better than, uh, you know, the uh, Jay Leno, Jimmy Kimmel, uh, we're going to make fun of you uh, because your senator is uh, Joan Rivers. Right? I mean, Senator Joan Rivers has done a great job in Washington. Yeah. Yeah, she sure has. Um, Only 16% of Latinos and 10% of African Americans were able to correctly identify one senator from his or her home state. Wow. Wow. And then we go into, leads us to this story about... Minnesota's largest school district is discussing screening high school students for depression and anxiety in the classroom. As part of the a state grant, a state grant to improve mental health services, schools could offer a screening as soon as next fall. Oh, good, 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 good. How are you feeling? Are you okay? Are you depressed? Depressed. The school got you down. Does it? Come here, baby. Let's come here. We can hug it out, but we can't because we're in school. So just stay there and just just stay over there. More children are growing up godless. Huh. Did you know that? More children are growing up godless than at any other time in our nation's history. They are the offspring of an expanding secular population. This from Phil Zuckerman. The population includes a relatively new and burgeoning category of Americans called the nuns. N-O-N-E-S. The nuns. 
because they identified themselves as believing in nothing in particular. This is from a 2012 Pew Research study. In the 1950s, fewer than 4% of Americans reported growing up in a non-religious household. Well, that figure entered double digits in 2012. 11% born after 1970 said they had been raised in secular homes. 23% of adults in the U.S. claim to have no religion, and more than 30% of Americans between the ages of 18 and 29 say they have no religion as well. 40 years, this uh, Bangston has been uh, overseeing the longitudinal study of generations. 40 years of study. Amazing. Which has become the largest study of religion and family life conducted across several generational cohorts in the United States, I bet. When Bengston noticed the growth of non-religious Americans becoming increasingly pronounced, he decided in 2013 to add secular families to his study in an attempt to understand how family life influences play about the religionless. You know, because are you, do you religionless play together? He was surprised. High levels of family, emotional closeness between parents, youth, strong ethical standards, moral values. Really? For secular people, morality is predicted in one simple principle, empathetic reciprocity, widely known as the golden rule, treating other people as you would like to have been treated. (laughs) It's an ancient universal ethical imperative, and it requires no supernatural beliefs. One atheist mom, Debbie, Uh, The way we teach them what is right and wrong is by trying to instill a sense of empathy, how other people feel. (sighs) You know, just trying to give them that sense of what it's like to be on the other end of their actions. I don't see any need for God in that. If your morality is all tied in with God... What if you at some point start to question the existence of God? Does that mean your moral sense suddenly crumbles? I don't know, Debbie. Does it? Recent research also has shown that children raised without religion tend to remain irreligious and are perhaps more accepting. This is, this, I love this. Now, there's no angle to this op ed. Oh, wait. Yes, there is. Uh, more accepting secular adults are more likely to understand and accept the science concerning global warming and to support women's equality and gay rights. One telling fact from the criminology field, atheists were almost absent from our prison population as early as the 1990s. Really? I mean, we all know uh, God is in prison, right? More, it's documented uh, for more than a century the unaffiliated and non-religious engage in far fewer crimes. Being a secular parent, and I know uh, Phil Zuckerman, uh, I know it's tough for you, but being a secular parent and something of an expert on secular culture, 
I know well the angst among many secular Americans as they experience when they can't help but wonder, could I possibly, possibly be making a mistake by raising my children without religion? Have you ask yourself that question? Could you have possibly, possibly made this mistake? <sighs> the unequivocal answer to Phil The Phil Zuckerman, the author of Living the Secular Life, New Answers to Old Questions, the unequivocal answer, could I possibly be making a mistake by raising my children without religion? The answer is, say it with me, no. Children raised without religion have no shortage of positive traits, virtues, and they ought to be warmly welcomed as a growing American demographic. <laughs> yes. Yes, they should. Can't we all just get along? It's a wonderful thing. We should all be able to get along without God. Shouldn't we? You know what? I'm just going to leave it at that because I've got another story here. We're living in an age of irrational parenting. And we'll touch on that uh, in a moment. But I just want to touch on that. Is that Phil, you are so... I want, I want to just bathe in your in your comment here. Children raised without religion have no shortage of positive traits and virtues, and they ought to be warmly welcomed as a growing American demographic. When you ask yourself, am I making a mistake by raising my children without religion? The answer, according to Phil Zuckerman, no. You're listening to The Jeff Fisher Show. The Blaze Radio Network. Fisher Show on the Blaze Radio Network. I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming. Relax. Relax. 888-900-3393 is the phone number. You can always follow me on Twitter at JeffyMRA or Facebook, Jeffy Fisher. And of course, uh, Monday afternoons, you can listen to Talking Walking Dead with myself and uh, Aaron Hernandez as we recap Walking Dead. Three episodes left of this season, and uh, it's been an exciting season so far. So you can go to theblaze.com slash radio and download uh, Talking Walking Dead. Uh, Speaking of that, I want to thank Stalker WalkerCon, who is in the the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex this weekend, for getting back to me uh, and letting me know, hey, Jeff, you're not worth uh, anything. We're not letting you come to the event. Uh, I mean, you can come to the event if you pay, but we don't want you here as any kind of any kind of media guest. I want to thank them for getting back to me or saying, "Hey, why don't you come and uh, you know walk around, say hello to a few people, and then you can talk about us." No, I'm not even worthy of the return email from their press thing. So I want to thank Stalker WalkerCon. So if you have an opportunity to go to Stalker WalkerCon, plenty of other things going on in the Dallas Fort Worth area. You should go. It'll be fun. What's his face is going to be there? 
Aaron, the new guy. And in fact, I watched him on an interview with him uh, last week. <laughs> and he did a great Matthew McConaughey uh, imitation. He does a bunch of imitations. He's really funny. So if you have an opportunity, you know, go pay full price and have fun. We live in an age of irrational parenting. Really, do we? We live in an age of irrational parenting, and we live in an age of irrational grandparenting, I would say, as well. Uh, if you fancy yourself a normalish, read this article uh, from Jennifer Sr., A Science of Us. Science of Us. Uh, you probably read the equal parts uh, fast of recent travails of the Maryland couple. Yes, we talked about it here on this show that uh, uh, tried to allow their children to walk a mile to a local park from their home. They were charged by Child Protective Services with... They were charged. This is what they were charged with. Unsubstantiated child neglect. What the hell is that? Don't they cancel each other out? Unsubstantiated child neglect. We can't say it's true, but it's child neglect. Tell you that right now because we showed up. And if we show up, we have to document our time and we have to get paid. So. We got to call it something. You know they sat around. What can we call it? We got to call it something. We have to call it something when we show up. And if there's nothing wrong, why did we show up? Someone complained. We have to call it something. I mean, we okay. It's not child neglect. Okay, can't prove it's child neglect. Okay, but someone said someone got us there on the thought that it was child neglect. But we can't. Can't substantiate what they said. Unsubstantiated child neglect. We can call it that. Then we can still get it paid. We can make it look good, and we can keep them on the we can keep them on the files for five years because we've filled out a form. Huh? So if something happens in the future, we've got our butt covered, and they're still on file with the unsubstantiated child neglect, <laughs> which just means that if something happens, we were too stupid to figure it out back then, but we figured it out now. And we've covered our butt. Yeah. What do you think of that? Huh? Yeah, even though it's, you know, pretty much safer than ever to live in the United States right now. It's pretty much safer than ever. But some would say, you know, some would say that it's safer than ever because of our irrational parenting, right? But it does have to do a little bit with uh, the we're waiting longer to have children, according to this, uh, according to our girl here, the Bureau of Labor Statistics, uh, principle of economic scarcity. And we've deferred having children for so long. College-educated women, first child, thirty years old, and instead of having five or six children, we have two. Right, so we put a far higher value on their well-being. Right. But then we, you know, once we, I love the, there's one line in here that, uh, uh, once we ban child labor in the United States, we have come to view children as economically worthless, but emotionally priceless. In the words of one of my favorite sociologists, Viviana Zelzer, and who doesn't love the sociologist Viviana Zelzer? But extending equal protection to kids and assigning them the value they deserve is one thing. Swaddling them in bubble wrap is quite another. 
It has led not just to a culture of irrationally around safety issues, but the moral high-handedness of gratuitous censure among parents themselves. Yeah. 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 I remember, you know, as a kid going away, going away for, you know, weeks at a time to my grandparents and go stay here and stay there. Now, some would say, Jeff, that was just your parents trying to get rid of you. That's possible. But I remember doing that. Now, my son, my my youngest son, 13, just he was gone for this past week. We went and picked him up yesterday. And uh, he was gone this past week. First time that he was gone without one of us for the for an entire week. You know, he's gone he's gone obviously gone camping for a weekend with the scouts. But this was this was a whole week, a big training week, uh up at one of the big scout camps, uh without either one of us on his own. You know, on his, so to speak, on his own. And uh A man was it nice around the house. B Huh, still have an eight-year-old daughter that has time to go st- hanging around the house. See, he came back. <laughs> Amazing, but it was it was kind of cool to see him actually have that time, and uh, you know, realize that go get out. You know, it's got it's, it's a it's an amazing kind of thing, and to overprotect them like that. Uh, no, you can't go outside and play unless I'm sitting there watching you stop it stop it when, you know I, I don't want to I don't want to say we're over protecting but uh, you know there were plenty o times as a child when uh, you were told uh, go get out get out I'm gonna be here in this area here, but I don't want you here. I want you out there. And don't come back unless there's blood. Uh, When it starts getting dark out, then I want you back here. Then you come back here. But until then, I don't want you here. I'm going to be here by myself. And if there's blood, if someone somewhere else can't take care of it, then you can come back here. But I don't want you here. Again, I, the more I say that, again, I think that that was more like my parents saying, "We go away. You shouldn't be here. I got to work on that story because I was thinking that it was more of an independence thing. But really, I'm turning it around to thinking my parents just didn't want me around. Huh. I got to work on that. This is The Jeff Fisher Show. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Jeff Fisher Show. Welcome to it. 888-900-3393 is the phone number. You can follow me on Twitter at JeffyMRA, Facebook, Jeffrey Fisher. 
Uh, Michael Pelka, Pure Opelka, his broadcast coming up immediately following this program on the Blaze Radio Network. I'm not sure what Mike is giving away today. Maybe he's giving away a signed hand lotion from hotel rooms that, of course, he didn't steal. He purchased. But signed, you know, maybe Pure Opelka hand cream jars from hotels around the country. I don't know what he's giving away. I just, I don't know. I'm just guessing that it's something kind of exciting like that. Uh, I know I try to stay away from, uh, you know, politics on this, on this show because it just drives me insane, but there's quite a few stories that are overwhelming me today in the political realm. So we're going to do a couple of them. And I know you're thinking, Oh no, Jeff, don't, well, I'm not going to do them like everyone else. I promise. I just want to let you know what's going on. So you have an idea of what's happening. Okay. I know, I know I got it. I got it. I'm overwhelmed too, but some of it is just it's overwhelming for me. Uh, 14 states asked a court to let Obama implement his immigration plan. Do you know, do you live in one of them? Uh, California, Connecticut, Delaware, Hawaii, Illinois, Iowa, Maryland, Massachusetts, New Mexico, New York, Oregon, Rhode Island, Vermont, Washington, and the District of Columbia. California, Connecticut, Delaware, Hawaii, Illinois, Iowa, Maryland, Massachusetts, New Mexico, New York, Oregon, Rhode Island, Vermont, Washington, along with the District of Columbia, signed on and asked the court to let Obama implement his immigration plan. I'm not going to go into any depth. I'm just telling you that's what happened. Beware if you live in one of those states. We all should beware, but in particular, one of those states for sure. Uh, Debbie Washerman Schultz, uh, the fine Debbie Washerman Schultz out of Florida. Uh, I love, they all think that they're so stinking smart. They really do. They all think they're so stinking smart. And so she uh, had one of her big little Twitter campaign things backfire hard on her, which is great. So she tweets, uh, Democrats have led on so many great policies. Uh, which is your favorite? Tell us the one that makes you most proud. <laughs> so she gets responses right off the bat. Uh, error, 404, file not found. Giving ambassadorships to donors? The one where you destroyed so much of our country? Oh, wait, that would be all of them. Keeping poor people poor so they'll vote Democrat seems to work really well. Criminal destruction of evidence? Democrats have left. <laughs> when FDR made Japanese go into internment camps? Right off the top of my head, I'd say incessant cover-ups and lies. Oh, wait, you said proud of, not disgusted with. Uh, the Syrian red line? I mean, I love it when it backfires on them and because they think they're just so stinking smart. All of them. They all think they're so smart. And uh, funny, funny stuff out of uh, <laughs> Chappaqua, New York, uh, home of the Clintons, uh, right, around the cor- right around the corner from the Clintons' house. <laughs> A neighbor or someone uh, put up a for sale sign uh, on the corner, <laughs> and it says, uh, "They live on Old House Lane." I'll be damned! Weird. 
Anyway, don't ask me why that's weird. I'll explain someday. Uh, for sale, used email server, clean hard drive, 15 old house lane, C bill. <laughs> that's funny. I bet you Bill thinks that's funny. Hillary, probably not so much. But I bet you Bill is laughing at that. There's no doubt about that. And then we have the news that we've been waiting for, at least those of you who have been listening to this bro- this uh, network, uh, big fans of Ted Cruz. And he pretty much all but said he was going to run for president yesterday on the Glenn Beck program. Uh, you know, he's we've had a Facebook poll on uh, uh Stu's Facebook page uh, that uh, has the list of GOP uh, people that could and may be running for president and are, or are. And uh, Ted Cruz has led the pack to the last two months. And uh, he was very happy about that yesterday. And he talked about, uh, you know, he said, uh, what I'll say is, you know, you need to stay tuned. And then he said, uh, we'll point out he was in, I was in Iowa last weekend. Tomorrow morning I'm flying to South Carolina. Uh, the next day I'm going to New Hampshire. And those are not necessarily states chosen at random. And, uh, wow. Huh? He just, he said he's looking at it very seriously. And then he told the story about his daughter. Uh, he told the story about the, them living in a high rise in Houston and having a new dog. That was the dog's name again. Oh, I can't remember the stupid name. Buttons or something like that. And uh, the daughter said, uh, uh, you know, Dad, it's okay if we run for, uh, if you want to run for president of the United States. Because if you win, then we'll have a big yard for the dog to play in. Yeah. Yeah. So... Ted is run, is pretty much all but said he's running. I would I I'm not going to go so far as to saying he is running because that's going to come back and say yeah you said he was going to run and he's not because he never did actually say it and they all, you know I got it I got it but he said it okay he said it and then Rand Paul uh, put out a survey uh, who said it uh, Hillary Clinton or the Ayatollah spokesman want to play it want to take the quiz Rand Paul's quiz. Okay. Uh, Rand Paul writes, uh, Hillary Clinton simply doesn't recognize the threat that the world faces from a nuclear Iran. Let's take the quiz. Rand Paul, let's take your quiz here. Who said it? Hillary Clinton or an Ayatollah spokesman? Take it together? Okay. Ready? Number one. This person called the U.S. Iran negotiations an active jihad. Oh, let's say Hillary Clinton. Two. Uh, this person said the Iran was <laughs> that Iran was the winner of the U.S. Iran negotiations. Oh, let's say Hillary Clinton. Uh, the person said the letter from U.S. senators to Iranian leaders undermines American leadership. Oh, Hillary Clinton. Uh, this person said we firmly believe Israel must be wiped off the face of the earth, and we don't recognize its existence. Oh, let's say Hillary Clinton. Uh, This person said the recent letter from Republican senators was out of step with the best traditions of American leadership. Oh, let's say Hillary Clinton. Uh, this person called the letter sent by U.S. Senator to the Iranian regime and a sign of collapse of political ethics. Oh, let's say Hillary Clinton. <laughs> I know that they weren't all Hillary. Okay, I got it. But it sure could have been. I know. The Act of Jihad was the Ayatollah. They were all pretty much the Ayatollah. Oh, Hillary said, yeah, of course, uh, uh, 
undermines American leadership. Of course, Hillary said that. And she said uh, best traditions of American leadership. And that's, she only said two of the two of the six. Okay, the rest were the I don't I got it, okay? Just thinking that it could have been very possible. Could have been Hillary saying that. Sad news from uh, from the television network E. Yeah, very sad news. Very, very sad news from E. Uh, let me introduce myself. Uh, this is from, uh, from a Snap Widget uh, on her Twitter account. Uh, let me introduce myself. Hi, my name is Kathy Griffin. I'm 54, have written and starred in 23 stand-up comedy specials. I have two Emmys, a Grammy, a New York Times number one bestseller, decades of activism, and for the LGBT community, have performed for the troops in Afghanistan and Iraq, among many other things. When I chose to step into the shoes of my beloved friend Joan Rivers at Fashion Police, I was thrilled to continue her legacy as a woman being brash and eccentric on television. I'm a freedom-loving female and gay rights activist who loves to find the funny in all people attitudes, beliefs, and appearances, but only when the context permits intelligent humor. I thought that I could bring my brand of humor to fashion police so that beautiful people in beautiful dresses could be teased when appropriate. (sighs) My brand of humor, while unrepentant and unafraid, is all about context. There is plenty to make fun of in pop culture without bringing people's bodies into it. Again, people, context. Listen, I'm no saint. I'm a feminist and a... Uh, a, a guru, a girl, a girl, G-U-R-R-R-L, who loves an offensive joke or a well-timed barb, and you will find plenty in my repertoire. But I do not want to use my comedy to contribute to a culture of unattainable perfectionism and intolerance towards indifference. Who doesn't? Who doesn't want to use their comedy? I mean, who does? Who does? Not who doesn't. Who does, darn it? I mean, who does, not doesn't, want to use their comedy to contribute to a culture of unattainable perfectionism and intolerance towards difference. I want to help women, gay kids, people of color, and anyone who feels underrepresented to have a voice and laugh has been my platform for decades. My body of work speaks for itself. After seven episodes of Fashion Police, I discovered that my style does not fit with the creative direction of the show, and now it's time to move on. I wish E and the E team only the best, and I hope to continue to make you all laugh, performing live or on television where I can be smart, irreverent, unrepentant, and unafraid in an observational way that is candid, honest, and justified. Thank you to my fans for taking this ride with me. See you at the gay bars and the MFN Kennedy Center Saturday, June 20th, and everybody everywhere else. Tickets on sale at KathyGriffin.com. How's that for hashtag unapologetic? Yes, I told you it was sad news. Kathy Griffin uh, in the E! Network uh, parting ways. Kathy apparently uh, not a fan of fashion police. And I'm guessing the way it sounds, um, what Joan Rivers had is what Joan Rivers had. Uh, because Joan was unapologetic too. Uh, and... When people said, oh, my gosh, I can't believe Joan said that, Joan would say, well, I did uh, get over it. This is the Jeff Fisher Show on the Blaze Radio Network.
The Jeff Fisher Show. Welcome to it. 888-900-3393 is the phone number. Michael Pelka, Pure Opelka, coming up immediately following this broadcast. And then we give you a little bit of Glenn Beck Weekend, which is just kind of a rewind of what happened uh, on the week during the radio show. And then Chris Salcedo, Mike Slater, and Joe Pags all live on the Blaze Radio Network. And plenty of live stuff, live and new stuff on Sunday. And then, of course, the lineup Monday through Friday. Doc and Skip, Glenn, Doc, Jay, Pat and Stu, my gosh, just stay with us. Or you can go to uh, theblaze.com slash radio and take a look at some other downloads that are aside from the radio broadcast. And the radio broadcasts are for downloading purposes as well. Yes, theblaze.com slash radio. Oh, my gosh. I know. Listen, I got it. All right. I got it. Have any of you been to a place called Nebraska Furniture Mart? Because they are opening this place really soon, uh, not far from here. Uh, and this place, this new development is called The Colony. It's out here. It's in Texas. But I'm telling you, it looks unbelievable. And I drove by there, and the whole thing, I mean, it's the whole thing is on uh, like 430 acres. I mean, it's huge. It's going to have a, it's, it's going to have, you know, they want, they want places to live and restaurants and all this kind of stuff. But the main anchor is this place called the Nebraska Furniture Mart, Texas. And it's going to be 100 acres. It's like 31 football fields. The store, 560,000 square feet. Come on. Come on. That's spending a day, the Nebraska Furniture Mart. I hope they offer, I'm telling you, you might want to, I don't know, you might want to hit up the handicap parking at that joint. I'm not telling you to do anything illegal. I'm just saying, you know, you might want to hit up the handicapped parking because there's 4,200 parking spaces. Amazing. Okay. Or maybe you could, maybe, I don't know if they're going to have, you know, hello, would you like to lease a a golf cart to shop today? Another tremendous idea. Nebraska, you need to write that down. Because in this article, the lady talks about the lady gives them a great idea. She asks, "Are they going to how they're going to document opening day?" And maybe they use some drones and stuff. And the lady goes, "Oh, that's a pretty good idea. I wish I would have thought about that." You've got a store that's five hundred and sixty thousand square feet. You didn't think that you maybe a drone would be kind of cool to document the whole thing. This whole thing should have been documented with a drone from day one. Nebraska, you should, this the whole movie of the creation of Nebraska Furniture Mart and the colony should have been documented with drones. And maybe, and maybe it is. Maybe it is. But I am ready to go. I mean, this place is unbelievably huge. And it's got, I mean, furniture on top of furniture, rugs, toys. It's going to be amazing to shop at. It's going to be really, really good, and and it's and you know it's going to put a dent in some of the other uh, uh, some of the other furniture stores. So uh, rooms to go, you might want to you know start uh, start cranking out some prices down a little bit lower there, babe. Just letting you know, just saying. That's all I'm saying. Hey, anybody told you you look great today? No, well you do. You look fantastic. I don't think you ever looked better. I mean that. Except, I mean, you're not you're not planning on wearing that all day, are you? Ooh, hey, 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 hey! Looks good on you. I promise. This is the Jeff Fisher Show, only 
on the Blaze Radio Network.